0: I ripped your arm off. You know what? Get your ass back home, get in the gym,
1: and figure out what the hell you're doing wrong. Might be called the five-point move? I'm frustrated with the way our Greco guys from the United States are treated because they are good athletes, they are good human beings that, that want to win. we got to help them get there.
0: Hello and welcome to episode 37 of the five-point move podcast. I'm Tim Hans, founder and senior editor of FivePointMove.com, and co-hosting us all. He's off, second episode in a row, but he'll be back for episode 38, which should be coming at you in short order. But who do we have? Who do we have? Who do we have? We have one guest this time around. That's it, just one, but it's a great one. That's Wild Man Sam, Sammy Jones, who's coming off his third straight u.s national final appearance well i shouldn't say like as if it was recent considering it was december but nevertheless let's talk to sammy and see what's going on there's some stuff we want to get to all right sam how have you been lately and with this whole situation in marquette what has your life kind of looked like so far i think it's been about what just about a month since you've been locked down over there so what's your routine like
1: uh my routine has been no routine. Uh, my life has gone from uh, work and wrestling every day to n- no longer wrestling and no longer working. So um, it's been an adjustment for sure, having a lot more free time. Um, I've really enjoyed it. Um, spending a lot of time with my wife. We're doing our own little family workouts. We'll run together and do yoga and um Instagram workouts and just really spending a lot of time together. It's been really relaxed and it's been really good. Are you watching any
0: film? Are you doing anything at all? Like, let's say, lack of a better term, Greco-centric? I I mean, as much as that can possibly be managed at home?
1: Um, You know, I've watched film on and off, not consistently. Mostly what I've used this time for, um, I feel like it's a great opportunity to um, invest in the relationships that are important to me. So uh, that's investing into my wife and my relationship with God. And that's, that's been my focus really. It hasn't been a whole lot of um, technique or that game planning. I I certainly, it's on my mind and um, I love wrestling, so I miss it, but it, it hasn't really been, my main focus over the over this break time um, as isolation timeout we've had.
0: <laughs> I'm not trying <laughs> to be funny right? when I say this, but it's like, okay, well, you're not going to, you're probably not going to drill, right? Like in your living right. room or something like that. Okay. That's first off. Second sure, of all, sure. if you're not, how do I say this? Cause I, I, I would imagine that the Olympic trials may be not taking place in April. <laughs> I'm going to imagine that at least at the time, that wasn't welcome news, perhaps.
1: Sure, sure.
0: What I'm wondering, though, <laughs> <laughs> is this little, I mean, not little, we don't know how long this break is going to last, but is it good? Like, what is the positive from a competitive standpoint to have this space here,
1: if there is one? Well, there's always a positive to it, for sure. And I think with the benefit for competition it makes you hungry, makes you miss miss the the training every day, the, the competition, I think it's, for me, it's made me very grateful for the opportunities that I did have and the facility that we have and the relationships with my teammates. Um, those are things that I think I hold uh, more precious to me now because I don't have them. And I think that's probably how everybody is feeling whether they wrestle or not, um, things that they took for granted or, or just was, kind of a routine thing that we loved that's been removed now. So the good in it I see is that um, this is just more time to prepare myself to mentally hone in on the skills that, that I need to, to be a good competitor. So like we've done mental training with winning mindset. Um, I, I have been looking over those worksheets to, you know, that is something that I can definitely use this time to, Flex that muscle more than I can. If I, you know, I can't get into the wrestling room, I can, I can make sure that my head's right when that when competition comes around, I'm ready to go.
0: I mean, it's not just weird; it's unprecedented. The situation we're all in, but certainly an Olympic sport, and mm-hmm. especially wrestling because of the way wrestling is orchestrated, the way the calendar sets up, where you measure seasons. The Worlds happens in September fifteenth on september 15th then okay if there's a tournament the next weekend september 22nd wherever it is technically that's the new season right and then you that's how we do this and and it's goes in a circle just like that and here we had a season that began in essentially october for most u.s guys it began in november at bill farrell which you were there and Mm -hmm. it ended abruptly i mean i think your last tournament was what december the national tournament and it's like you so you didn't really get a season and so the question i want to ask is do you look at the 2019-20 campaign which you really didn't even wrestle into 20 even but do you look at what just happened no trials everything's over postponed whatever you want to say as its own separate season or or and it's a really convoluted question i get that or do you look at it like, let's say the trials, the 21 trials are, you know, whatever, April 3rd, 4th, next next year. Do you look at what happens when competition resumes as a continuation of the 2019-20 season as opposed to a whole new season?
1: Well, I look at it as if it is a new season simply because there's so much time that's passed. I'm not going to be the same wrestler but I would have been on April 4th had we have competed. And I'm not the same wrestler I was in December when I wrestled at the at the Nationals. Um And I don't think many of my competitors are either. So I I will look at the 21 um, season as a new season going into it.
0: It's so weird that we even talk about it that way. It's just so weird, right? <laughs> yeah. You, you wrestled in the National Final in December. And so... Right. I don't know what your plan was to consist of after that. Like, I didn't know if you, I don't know if you had designs on doing anything in let's say January or February. And then, you know, whatever, breathing it out until trials. I have no idea. I mean, you could, you could certainly enlighten me to that, but even if it's like, we're now what towards the end of April, just about, it's like your last match was what, four or five months ago, four and a half months ago. Yeah, It's crazy. I don't want to take a screw and twist it into your thigh by asking you this. <laughs> I just want to know how you see it. Is that all right? you were in three national finals consecutively. Now you took second yeah. in three national finals consecutively. How do you see this? Do you see this as, hey, I made three national finals in a row or... I took second in three national finals in a row.
1: Uh, well, I'm speaking to any wrestling population. I would, you know, say that, Hey, I'm um, consistency and I'm, I'm still chasing my goals. Um, internally, man, it, it did. It definitely hurts a lot. Um, to kind of come up short to make it so far and to come up short three years in a row. That's, it's, it's tough to, to swallow that. But, um, man, this, that's the sport we. That's what the sport we're pursuing. Um, it's tough. It's not easy, and it's just going to make success or the pursuit of that success that much sweeter. And that's the last over the last two years, I've really just come to value the process of wrestling and, and realizing that the successes or the end goals of the accomplishment is not where I find the value in the sport. Um, it's the it's the daily grind um the process and what I learned through that that I I really hold valuable. And this last US Open or National Championships, like I had really taken that um belief to heart, being like, man, I'm I'm doing this as this is I look at wrestling as a as an act of worship really with my relationship with God. I feel like this is something I've been gifted with. And this is just a way for me to um, interact with my creator and know him in a deeper way. Like that—that that was something that like I believed, and you know, it, de- it didn't take away the sting of losing in the finals. You know, having that, but I realized, you know, walking off the mat, it was like, all right, if all of those things that I say is—that's um, who I am. That this is the reason I'm I'm in this sport. If all of that is true, then I can't dwell in these moments of frustration or. Um, pain of losing it's just like well hey i'm proud of proud of the work i'm proud of how i conducted myself on the mat and i love this sport still i'm going to get back to it so that's kind of that's a learned response i guess um that i've kind of acquired over three runner-up finals <laughs> By any stretch of the imagination,
0: the way I see it is that, look, look, you make three national finals in a row. At the very, 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 very least, it means you are in not only an absolutely elite competitor, but certainly a threat to make whichever team that year, whether it's World or Olympic. Okay. What I want to know, if I, you don't mind me pressing you a little bit on this, is because you said the last few years, you're, you've been a person of faith you know, throughout your life. How did you see competition from a faith-based perspective previously?
1: That's a great question. Um, well, I'd say much more selfishly. We're selfish in nature, and yeah, I, I was definitely raised uh, in a family that was um, faith-based, and and I had a relationship with God. I would say that that was it was definitely a part of me, and it's, it's a relationship that's grown, but. I would say that I would, you know, I'd look at competition and be like, yeah, this is something that like God's gifted me with, but man, I was definitely pursuing it out of like personal gain. You know, I was definitely, I was giving credit to God that he had given me this gift, but going into competition, it was still something that was still about me. And, you know, as this, my relationship with God has grown, um, I'm, I'm realized that it's not about me. Not at all. And that's why I say like over the last few years where I've really kind of sat down and been like, okay, if I'm being completely honest with myself and with my peers or whoever I'm speaking with that, if I'm, am I really going out and doing this just for the experience and the joy that it brings me and the joy that it brings my creator who gave me this gift? Have you ever heard of the movie, Chariots of Fire? Of course. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I grew up watching that movie as a kid. Um, loved it, you know, just because it's a beautiful Olympic story. I've always just dreamt of the Olympics. And w- one of the the characters in the movie is Eric Little, and he's a, um, he's a runner, of course. And he has this, this this kind of pivotal moment in the movie where he's talking to his sister, and she's trying to... Um, persuade him to stop running and basically go back to being a missionary. And he sat down with her and basically was telling her, he's like, when I run, I feel God's glory. And when I'm, when I'm doing what he's created me to do, I, I it brings him happiness. And you know, that, like, that was something I watched years ago as a kid. And now, you know, as a 26 year old man, I'm realizing that that is, there's, Wisdom in that knowing that like God has gifted us with different abilities and talents, and for us to use that for um, for our gain is it's only half of the half of the joy we get out of it. But if we take that gift or that talent and we pour ourselves into it, there's so much value, um, and you know, and expressing the gift or whatever bringing it before God. And so it's kind of, it's kind of hard for me to explain that, I guess, but there was just a switch in my mindset where I sat down and I was like, if I, when, every time I step on the mat, every time I practice, every time I cut weight, every time I'm going to the grocery store to buy groceries for my diet so that I make this new weight cut. And every time I compete, am I doing that with the heart of, Hey God, I'm thankful for this opportunity to wrestle. I'm thankful for this gift. And I'm going to do my very best because you've gifted me, and that is the the switch that over the last few years um, that I've realized uh, in this sport.
0: This might be getting a little bit philosophical, but I think it's probably natural. I think it's an easy trap for people to fall in to where it becomes a pursuit of the ego. It has almost no choice depending on the environment. Even if somebody has or wishes to have a relationship with God, I think a lot of times through their competitive pursuits, they go down a path to where they're not glorifying God, but they're glorifying whatever success they may or may not have. I think that's something that you see a lot of. It's funny because people make fun of boxers who post-fight interview, the first thing they do is you know, they say, you know, all glory to God. Thanks be to Jesus and everybody, especially in 2019, 20 or whatever. I mean, that's definitely something that's going to get negative attention, unfortunately, right? Because it's just cool to make fun of Christians uh, ad nauseum as much as you can. Nowadays, it seems like anyway, at least in terms of popular culture. But wrestling, is its own ecosystem and the pressures that I think, high-level, let's say, world national caliber type competitors, I think the f- the pressure that they feel sometimes can be all-encompassing and even worse because they're seeing this as a personal individual endeavor that is, instead of just being, let's say, a journey, is a means to an end. And the problem with that is they don't know what that end is. They don't know what that end is. They know what they want it to be, perhaps. They know that they want it to be a world medal, world title, Olympic title, whatever. But they don't know, actually, what that end is going to look like. So because that end is a very big question mark, I think it makes the pain of disappointment, especially when I think there's talk about faith that is misplaced. I think it makes that pain even worse.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think also... I've grown up and I've seen men that whether they wrestled or they didn't wrestle, maybe they were in sports or whatever in their young days. And there seems to be this sense of like, you know, it's almost like you're still talking about it years later, the, the high school game that didn't go your way because of, you know, bad ref or you, something happened. And if I'd only done this and if I'd only done this and I, I, I just uh, it's something I never want to feel, I guess, is what I'm trying to say or 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 walk in when I'm an older man. I I really want to walk away from wrestling, you know, competitively or whatever and be like, man, I'm I I put everything I could have put into it. And I can walk away with peace of mind. Now, I don't know if that's even a realistic hope. (laughs) <laughs> when I'm an older man, if you know, you're always going to have those things that haunt you. If, if I would have cut down another weight, or if I would have gone up, not cut so much weight, who's to know? But all I know is that right now is the moment that I have, and I'm going to put everything I I can into it, give my best effort, so that I'm happy with the result, regardless.
0: Well, I think about the word loneliness, so. Mm-hmm. When you make this all about you, and it doesn't happen for you, and and this doesn't necessarily apply just to wrestling, of course. It could apply to anything, whatever someone's occupation is, whatever their goals are. But when you make it all about you, and there is at least perceived failure, you get loneliness. That is the result. I wrestled competitively in matches with people there and referees and everything. I've done that. And I've mm. had losses. I particularly one I'm thinking about right now is uh, from high school, but that's not the, the point. And I, I didn't have a faith first outlook on that. No, I lost, mm. you know, I wasn't enjoying the process. The process led to me <laughs> losing. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, that's a lonely yeah. feeling. And sure. I think when the stakes get raised and you graduate levels, you jump levels competitively. I think that failure is a lonely place when you don't have this. I think I don't know how to put it. Like maybe locked down the right way mentally and spiritually.
1: Yeah, it's hard. Winning's not much easier though. <laughs> They're both <laughs> lonely places, man. But it it really it just comes down to where we put. Well, in my perspective, where we put our value and what we see as value, um, and I know that wrestling has been tremendously valuable to me because there's so many lessons that I've learned on the mat, in the practice room, um, with the relationships I've made that I will carry far beyond my wrestling career. So, well, there's a few
0: wrestlers we all know who you know they're very passionate about their faith. There's a few in my head that I'm who I'm sure if I mention him out loud, you'll definitely be able to either agree or disagree, I guess. Do you have, I don't want to say closer than usual, but do you get with any wrestlers and discuss topics of faith with?
1: (laughs) Yeah. uh, A handful. I I would tell you, um, Pat Smith and I have had some very good conversations through the years. Um, He's he's definitely one of the people
0: I was referring to.
1: Yeah. Pat and I became friends, um, in 2014, we made the university world team. I didn't know Pat before then. And, um, we became fast friends on that trip. And, you know, through the years, we see each other at tournaments and occasional trips. And there seems that every time we get together, every time our our paths cross, we seem to have at least one or two conversations about, Hey man, how's life going? How's, how's your walk going? And what, What's been hard, what's been good. Um, I, that Pat comes to mind instantly.
0: Yeah, he sure does. Unapologetically, and I love him for it. Let's kind of switch gears a little bit here, if you don't mind. And I want to bring up something that you and I had touched base upon a couple months ago when we still all thought there would be a trials tournament. And that is the uniform rules for the Olympic trials as, <laughs> <laughs> as put out by yeah. the USOPC and USA wrestling and whatever. And we'll kind of break this down a little bit, but for the audience's sake, I will give a short preamble and that is wrestlers at the Olympic trials have rules. They have rules every year, every quad. I mean, there that's not new. And But this time around, and this affected or potentially will affect Sam, this time around, they really kind of honed in on some stuff here. There is the no religious or political statements, slogans, mottos, personal logos, etc. to be displayed on singlets. Allowed only are singlet and uniform manufacturer, so if you have a, let's say, I don't know, Cliff Keen singlet, that's okay to have the Cliff Keen logo on it somewhere. Uh, Club name logo, so, you know, okay, so Sam, uh, you're NYAC, yeah, so you can have NYAC, and then there is also uh, a technology mark, which I don't even know what that means, a technology mark, maybe you do, Sam, and... No, I don't know what it is. And I'm somebody who enjoys technology. I have no idea what what, that can even possibly mean. I I, technology mark just that seems pretty ambiguous. And then singlets can feature up to two logos. Most singlets don't even have one practically. So So here's what went on with this whole little deal. And to be upfront about it, it's really not clarified even yet. So However, this was presented to the athletes. The athletes receive emails and everything else to this effect. They see what the uniform guidelines are, whatever. And for the overwhelming vast majority of the wrestlers who were going to compete in the Olympic trials or who will next year, this is a non-point nothing news to them. For Sam, this is not thrown away so easily, not dismissed so easily. I reached out just for my own curiosities if this was going to become something of a i think it may be a more desirable topic i probably would have went public with it in some regard but i reached out to the united states olympic paralympic committee for clarification on all this just like what does this mean what constitutes a religious or political statement is that a word a phrase a symbol and why would these be banned particularly if represented in an understated manner, which is exactly how I put it in the email, and I know that because I'm looking right at it. A gentleman from the USOPC got back to me, and he said, these uniform clarifications are best to be answered by USA Wrestling. And it's like, really? USA Wrestling? Okay, so we're going to just kick the can to the other side now, is what we're going to do. At least that's how I took that. Like, we made it up, but you talk to them. That's how I took it. I'm not saying that's how it went down. That's exactly how I read his email. And I was like, okay, well, I go ahead to USO, USA Wrestling. And it's like, I, I, I mean, I can do that. It's just, I don't know. I think they'll probably pass the buck back to the USOPC, in my opinion. So how does this affect Sam? Well, Sammy Singlets, Wild Man Sam's Singlet. Wild Man Sam singlet says Wild Man Sam on it. Let's get past that for a second. And then what else,
1: Sammy? Uh I have a Bible verse on my left leg. Um that that would probably have to go. <laughs> um and then I've got an eagle, I think, on the back that might have to go. Like maybe it maybe one of the two logos. I might be able to keep the eagle. Now look,
0: I know that you don't want to start a thing here. And I'm going to do my best to not shoehorn you into one. But until this is clarified, if it ever is clarified, what do you think the motivation is behind these rules? I, I can tell you what I theorize, and I, and I sent that to you in February, what my theories were. But what do you think? If you don't mind sharing.
1: Initially, I, I really didn't know what to think. I thought well, maybe... Because it was going to be on TV, maybe there's some strict policies on what they can air. Um, I guess that's really the only thing I could really think of as far as a reason. I was thinking that it would be, I mean, for a guy, I mean, for me, whatever, it's not that big of a deal. I'll make a new singlet or have a new singlet, use my club singlet that I'm given by Steve. But for guys that have sponsors that sometimes put those sponsors on their singlet. That that kind of seems like it'd be tougher to kind of get around. Um, if that's a part of your your deal with your sponsor, maybe you just make t-shirts. But yeah, I don't really know what the motivation for that was. Them.
0: Okay, well, let's talk about it a little bit. Number one on that list was no religious or political statements, slogans, mottos, personal <laughs> logos, etc. Okay, so yep. I'm not trying to carry a torch here or bang a drum, as if I'm the the warrior here for personal rights and rights of expression or something like that. Uh, Right. I don't like getting lost in red tape. At the end of the day, these things get settled on, on a mat with three officials who you hope are competent enough to make correct calls. And that's about it. Right. I will say this. Wrestling doesn't, first off, wrestling doesn't do a good job of marketing itself in or whatsoever. It just doesn't. It doesn't. And that's probably easy to say, because if you love wrestling and you realize, well, wrestling isn't, you know, it's wrestling isn't an ESPN staple, is it? Unless we're talking about the national college tournament. Yeah, we all think wrestling should be the biggest sport in the world. Right. I mean, that's what everybody thinks. Yeah. So if you think wrestling has that kind of quality to offer an audience, then the only conclusion you can really come to logically is that it doesn't market itself correctly. And one of the ways that it doesn't market itself correctly, in my estimation, is it doesn't allow for a lot of individualized athlete expression. It just doesn't. I mean, if you go back and look throughout history, just look at singlets throughout history. It's got it got better post 2015, right, with the singlet updates and the uniform rules and yeah, yeah, the stripes. Yeah. Then it then it allows for some creativity in that regard. Sure. Ultimately, it's red versus blue, and we can't have guys uh, with. You know grease paint on their bodies and uh casino <laughs> casino <laughs> URLs like in boxing and stuff and it's like okay fine take that out of it but even still there's a way we want wrestlers to behave there's a way that we want them to let's say conduct themselves and for some of that I can get on with it political statements I I don't know what that means I don't I, I don't know what that would look like on a singlet I, I don't I mean maybe if somebody's wearing a singlet and Uh, On the front of it, it says pro-life, I guess would be a political statement. Maybe, I don't think I could see somebody doing that, but okay. But no religious statements. So now we're going to just completely, okay, you want to say you want to stay away from political statements, fine. If you were going to just leave it there, I wouldn't have agreed with it, necessarily. I wouldn't have, because I believe in the First Amendment. I think the First Amendment should be... Given full reign in whatever venue, platform, or medium we're talking about, but then you go and you it's, it says no religious, and see that bothers me, and it doesn't bother me from like some Christian perspective or something like that so much. It bothers me just because it's like, well, what's so wrong with religion? It's like wrestling is has a pretty big Christian population in it in the United States. It does, it does. It doesn't mean everybody wears it on their sleeve, but it does. I think we all know it. And it's like, okay, so if there's not a religious, if there would be a religious statement on somebody saying, what would it look like? What would it have? Well, you know, I don't know. Numbers dictated would probably be something having to do with Christianity, right? I have a conspiracy theory that that kind of thing is is held down. That's how I feel about it personally. I do. Mm. I said before that yeah. it's, it's cool to make fun of Christians. And a lot of people just gang up on Christians now. And I don't know if you noticed that, but I do. And it's just like, oh, come on. So if a guy wants to enter the a, a United States Olympic trials and he wants to have, a, like, in your case, it's a Bible verse, no religious or political statements on our currency we have and God we trust, that's okay. Do you think I'm getting too overboard with this or what?
1: <laughs> um, no, I don't. Well, we're getting into a whole mess of things here, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> There's just no other way to say it besides that, you know, it's maybe it's a, I mean, really all we can do is guess at why reasons why, you know, we weren't, I wasn't in that room to decide that, but it could be to put out fires and nobody gets their feelings hurt. If, you know, if there's someone sitting in the, the stands, I, I really, I really don't know. All I can do is make a guess at it. But um, as far as society, it's being easy to make fun of well sure (laughs) that's that's how it's always been that's how that's how it will be you know there will be opposition against it and that's a that's a sign that Christians are doing something right if they're if they're met with opposition it means that there's actually something there you know it's not just being worn on the sleeve so I think it's a good thing actually that that it's brought this conversation up because you know, it's causing you and I to have this conversation and people to hear and think to themselves, well, what do I think about Christians and Christianity? Do I think it's foolish? Do I think it's legit? Do I, th-, you know, whatever. So I think, I don't know, what's that the saying, you know, it, the stimulation of the conversation is good.
0: Okay. How about this? And I know you well enough to know that you're nowhere near self-important <laughs> enough. To probably (laughs) answer this in the affirmative, do you think that the broadcast of the nationals, national finals, of which you were a principal part, had any influence into this?
1: Uh, Did that cross your mind at all? It did initially. Right when when I got the email and I read it, I was like, that was my uh, first reaction. Um, I guess you'd say to be like, huh, not necessarily like, oh, that is the reason, but it, it definitely made me think that like, I don't know, a month before, or however, however, um, long it was between the email and the, you know, nationals where I had, uh, I'm assuming you're alluding to me wearing my sweatshirt. <laughs> yep.
0: yep. When you got the Kirby award, I think it was.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I thought maybe that had had some influence, but. I don't know. That was that was a decision that I had made to to wear that you know, my wife gave it to me right before I left for the trip and I was like, Man, I'm gonna rock this. I love this and uh <laughs> I don't know, wear it proudly and we'll see if that I don't I don't know if that would had any influence at all, but it, it did cross my mind, I suppose. All
0: right. So I'm not completely crazy. <laughs> Look, I know I get I know I get carried away. I know I get carried away. I'm just I'm a chain thinker, Sammy. Like I'm a chain thinker. Yeah. I always like. Then that's God's not. Effect, necess- huh? Well, it's not an attribute necessarily. It's just that's how my mind works. I'm always tracing things back or tracing them forward. That's cool. And like, yeah. it's just like I was like, oh, huh. <laughs> when we when we opened this up in February, like that, it was hard not. I mean, there's also a recency bias involved with that, but yeah. it was hard not to have my brain immediately flash back to December and uh you on the mat with Spencer getting pictures taken and everything else and like there were long shots. <laughs> there were long shots. <laughs> there was a one point there was one point where like there was nothing going on and you were just pacing up and down the mat waiting for like to meet in the middle so you could take your pictures. And like you went up to the flow camera right up to it practically (laughs) and like took your hands and like pulled out your sweatshirt a little bit more so like they could see what it said. So (laughs) I'm not wrong. That happened.
1: No, no, you're not. No, I, I did that intentionally. I mean, man, that's the most important thing about Sammy Jones. You want to, if you like watching me wrestle, you want to know who I am, that's, that's everything to me. So that's, I don't know what else to say besides that, you know, and I want people to know that there's so much hope and, and peace that's come to my life through my relationship with Jesus. And so that's, that's what I want to share with the wrestling community. You know, I've been, I've been taught so much through the sport. And, you know, I think that sharing the thing that's most important with the community that I've, grown to love and know so well I think that's the best way for me to give back and in this world where I mean I think you said it before I can't remember if we were recording or not but talking about how with the social media platforms and whatnot that there's not a sense of of I guess I don't know how to say that a lot of a lot of uh I guess fakeness can be put up there misrepresentation is a better way of saying it that's a and, very nice way of putting it. Yeah, misrepresentation of our lives and and who we are. And so I don't I don't know how well my social media platform portrays me, but that's that is who I am and uh, what I, I cling to is being the most important thing to me. Um, it's definitely more important to me than my success on the mat.
0: What about your hair, Sam? What's your hair like these days? What What is it? How's it doing? It's all that's almost like a. That's like a, it's like another living part of your body at this stage.
1: You went from <laughs> what you've been wearing and how that has may may have had a ripple effect to how's your hair? My hair is doing well. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's still long as ever. It's all dreaded up. Yeah, it's still wild. It? No, man, I'm not cutting it. I'm growing it out and making room for my brain. Wait, wait, wait.
0: <laughs> wait a minute, though, but don't – I don't know how it works with dreads, okay? And I haven't had, like, anything <laughs> – I haven't had longish hair since I went through a weird phase when I was a freshman in high school, and that was woof a long time ago.
1: Yeah, but, I'm still in mine.
0: Okay, well, I have a daughter who is eight, and she has long hair. And I know – Okay. I know that – she has to get her hair trimmed when she wants it to keep growing, right? Because like, I guess you got to trim split ends and whatever else. And like that actually fosters a little growth. So what I'm asking is, have you had to do any kind of manicuring of this thing, like just to
1: get it to grow more? There is a lot of maintenance that goes into dreads. That's kind of a misconception that your dreads are really dirty and unkept. That is certainly a way of... Achieving dreadlocks, but for me, I have to I have to put a good bit of work into them. It takes a lot of effort to to section them. You know, so you take your hair that is not dreaded and you put it into a section using rubber bands, and then by several different steps, you get your hair to knot, and then you have to um, palm roll, and then you do maintenance. I use actually really tiny crochet needles um, to maintenance my dreads.
0: Wait wait wait, um, wait, but wait, I... wait 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 <laughs> wait. What do you mean, main, like for maintenance? Like what is that? I don't know what that means.
1: Do you think my hair just looks like this
0: without touching it? <laughs> well, I do. Like I figured, what happens is is that you grow it to a certain to a certain length to where you can have dreads, right? And then you yeah. dread them all up, and then like, and then you leave them. Well, not that you leave them because I I I don't know. I I imagine like you put like some kind of I don't know. Essential oils in them, or something.
1: (laughs) 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 Well, I do. I do use oils and sprays, but that's for like my scalp, and you know, that sort of thing. But yeah, you have. So with wrestling, you you your hair um, basically becomes loose, and it'll come out of the knot, not all the way, but just at the the root. Um, And so you have to like, there's a there's a million different techniques and youtube will tell you that there's only one way to do it but there's a bunch of ways to do it but i use a like a crochet needle basically to um as a tool to like knot my hair at the root (laughs) okay well what about
0: sleep (laughs) like let's go over that (laughs) like like because (laughs) you're you're also five three sam like you're five three, so you're not like six two, to where like, even if you had dreads at six foot two or five eleven or something like that, where like the dreads are only you know four percent of your body mass. Like you're five three and you're competing uh, at sixty kilos, okay? So like the, your your dreads are like what seven percent of your body mass. <laughs> so like having to like go to sleep at night, you toss turn. I don't know what position you fall asleep in. But, like, I'd have to think, like, that whole deal on top of your head, like, has to get in the way, at least sometimes. I'd have to think it does.
1: <laughs> well, okay, I'll answer the question, but first we have to address that I am not 5'3".
0: You think you're
1: 5'4"? I'm 5 – no, I know that I'm 5'3 and a quarter, all right? And that Ooh, quarter makes a big difference, all right? Okay,
0: well, that's it, right? it, it. I'm 5'4 and, like – I'm four and, like, like three-eighths. So that's how I I do
1: it. All right. Yeah, it makes a big difference when you're under 5'9", all right? Every every bit of it does. That is what um, we we'll call the threshold. Uh, Yeah, I I don't know. It doesn't bother me at all when I sleep. I just, I don't know what to tell you. I lay down, throw it to the side. If I move over, I push it out of the way. But <laughs> I I guess it's taken, taken a little bit to get used to while wrestling. It was actually way harder when it was not dreaded. I love having my hair dreaded because it's a lot easier when I'm wrestling. We're doing anything else it doesn't fall in my face as much I can just kind of braid it or throw it in a, in a bun and it stays there you know what it does stay there
0: because once you started having like legit dreads and stuff that was something I mean it was I watched you wrestle it's not like top of mind oh let me see how Sammy's hair is behaving <laughs> uh, but is well I don't that-
1: know if you, if you watch the flow that's, the flow, that's about uh, that's about all they talk about with Sammy <laughs> he's what? okay wrestler but his hair's nice Well, (laughs) it is remarkable
0: that it doesn't seem to be like some kind of like major distraction for you, considering the (laughs) length it has grown to.
1: Yeah. Well, I've always I've always liked longer hair since I was a child. So maybe that's part of it. It's just my nature.
0: Let me ask you this, because, I mean, we're starting to hit the home stretch here. Outside of the world championships, I guess, or maybe an Olympics or something like that. Is there a foreign event, international event that you like watching? Like if it streams or on YouTube or anything like that.
1: Mm. I mean, I really like watching the European Championships, the Asian Championships. Those it's those competitions are unreal. Um, I like watching those. I yeah, don't really I, have I, a I pick Asian Championships
0: over Europe any day for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, especially at my weight class. Yes, Those, exactly. Um, yes, exactly. So yeah.
0: If you could combine the first three or four weight classes of the Asian championships with the last five or so of European championships, maybe, but like for the most part, you you'd got yourself like one nice tournament to watch. I mean, European style at the lighter weights is not the European, not the style I want to watch uh, all the time, you know, because it's, yeah, the Asian yeah. continent is a lot more exciting, I think. Yeah. But
1: I would agree with that. You no
0: know, a tournament I miss I miss like a lost lover is uh the Golden Grand Prix. I miss. Oh yeah. Yeah. I miss it. I've been thinking about it a lot lately. I don't know if because I'm stressed or whatever. I, I don't know what it is. But I've been thinking about it. It's like huh, that was a tournament I used to look forward to kind of big time. And then at the last one was sixteen. that was it. Mm-hmm. like we haven't had another one since, since because Azerbaijan's economy tanked, and uh they just uh yeah they've had a hard time kind of climbing out of the Sutter there, so they haven't uh they kissed the golden grand Prix goodbye I thought they were I thought there was a shot they were gonna bring it back the next year in seventeen, but they didn't and but that was a mm. major tournament, and that was like almost like a mini worlds the golden grand Prix like yeah. In fact, Sammy, in fact, because you went over, if I remember, I believe you went overseas in 16 for the Clubs
1: Cup, yeah? Yes. Okay. So Yeah, I was in Hungary, I think. It was. I think it was was, was Budapest, Budapest. yeah.
0: Yeah. And I remember that whole trip because that whole trip – well, I shouldn't say trip – but that slate of overseas activity began with the last golden grand prix which was uh, mm-hmm. right after the nyc tournament and then right after yeah. that was the non olympic weight worlds and then right after that was the clubs cup
1: yeah and yeah that- they were held in the same the venue
0: I would say that this would be a good spot to let you go, but I have one more thing I want to bring up with you, and that is Rob Herman. Rob Herman. So Rob Herman retired at the end of, I don't know, you couldn't say season, so what would you say if it's early July, late June, early July? What would you call that? Like
1: Uh, Early season? (laughs) I don't know how you say the The guys come up August. 20th around there um so in july when was the big brother camp when was that i think that was june june july so i don't know mid summer break okay that's
0: a good way to put it
1: so just (laughs) summer vacation
0: summer yes because it was superior camp right it was superior camp so Superior oh, yeah, Campus. not Big Brother. Superior yeah, Superior Camp in Sweden was there and everything else. So, sure. um, But no, it's considering how big a role Rob played in your current career, you know, as a full-time elite level Greco-Roman athlete. He was your pipeline to Northern. He was somebody you knew before you started at Northern. And yeah. what has that adjustment been like without him in the room?
1: Um, well, I mean, i I miss Rob just because, um, man, I was just good friends with him. He's like a dad to me. Um, he was my, my dad up here when I first moved here, took care of us and he would pick me up from practice my house. I didn't have a car. He would drive and pick me up in the winter months every morning at six, 12, he'd honk his stupid car horn. And I'd come out with a cup of coffee. you know. So I missed that. Just, the uh, the relationship of, um him being around you know outside of just being a coach um I think it's been it's been a good um adjustment inside the room I think you know um Andy's done a great job and so I think guys have kind of just the younger guys most of the guys here um you know they came in with Andy um or they were exposed to Andy when they got up here and a lot of the older guys, you know, the ones that Rob brought in we were kind of all gone. It's me, Austin, Colin, Dalton, and Kimba. Um, and I believe that's some of the crew that Rob brought in mostly that's still here. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been just an adjustment. I just think because you get used to having your coach in the room and, you know, kind of, Gotten a routine with seeing Rob all the time, and you now they just we kind of adjust and seeing a new coach now. Um, so yeah, has this
0: been something that like you and that OG crew talked about in terms of going through it together? You know, like the guys you came up yeah. with together,
1: like you yeah. mentioned. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, of course you got memories that you just look back on. You talk about in funny stories. I mean, Rob. I mean, every single guy on the team has a memory with Rob, just because. He he get he talked to everybody, he gets to know everybody, he becomes everybody's friend and jokes around. So everybody's all of us anyway have a story of Rob that you talk about inevitably and you know, he had his things that he would do, his his sayings, his stories. You know, we always joke. Rob would tell a story. When I was I think I was probably, it was my first year up here in 2013, I want to say. I wrestled the Bill Farrell International, and I wrestled the Egyptian. And I still wrestled the Egyptian to this day. We've competed recently. But um, the one? first Which time one? we wrestled, Mustafa. Oh, Tiger. of course. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the first time we wrestled, you can watch the video. He rips my arm off with a two-on-one. Like, I had never experienced a two-on-one in my life like his. And so Rob tells this story, I mean, every single year for the rest of his career, he would tell that story, you know, when we would be drilling, the freshmen come in and we're teaching them how to defend a two-on-one and how to get a two-on-one and he would start the story. I'll never forget, you know, Sammy's arm, he goes out there and when he comes back, one arm's, you know, two feet longer than the other arm and it's like on cue. Uh, you know, we can look at each other and be like, he's going to tell a story about me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and it's like, he's got a story like that for every single guy. But um, you just you love it. You've been in touch with him? Yeah, uh, not as much as I should. But he calls me every now and then we we text every now and then. He, what he does is he, he checks the weather in Marquette. And when he sees that there's a storm, he'll send me a picture out by the beach or sell he's golfing or something. He's like, "How's your day going?" I'm golfing. I'm like, "Well, I know you just looked at the weather report, and it's blizzard out." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, he's he's doing well. He's being a a grandpa down in the south in his retirement home. <laughs> he's living the life right now. Uh, he is living the life
0: right now. I've seen. I mean, even I've seen pictures of his spot. Yeah, it looks like a place that's very inviting. I would say. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right, Sam. Well, I'm gonna let you go. You can go live your life, <laughs> do what you want to do.
1: This is great, Sam. I always I enjoy the talks we have.
0: Yes, we have some kind of synergy for whatever reason.
1: <laughs> Represent
0: your team or club with top quality singlets, board shorts, and two piece uniforms from BarbarianApparel.com. Get creative with team logos and custom designs that make a statement on and off the mat. Worn by the pros and trusted by national teams all over the world, Barbarian Apparel supplies wrestlers with the look and feel they need to conquer the competition. Team orders and discounts are always available. To learn more, stop by barbarianapparel.com today and save 10% off using coupon code BA10. Barbarian Apparel, style everyone notices, quality everyone respects. All right. And that was Wildman Sam, Sammy Jones, whose first appearance on the podcast actually was last winter. And that was a really fun episode. That was him and Sam Hayswinkle. They were both on together. They weren't split up. And if you want to be cute about it, that's like the two Sams. You get it? Ha ha ha. But coincidentally, in both episodes, you know what the last topic was? Rob Herman. Hayeswinkle was coached by Rob earlier in his career. And obviously, Sammy came up through Rob at NMU and everything. So there you go. I just love hearing Sammy's perspectives on faith and just really his general view of the sport. I really enjoy. And he's just so good in this format. So I was looking for kind of an excuse and opportunity to get him back on. And this seemed to fit. I always have fun talking to Sammy. All right, let's skip right to social media concerns, considering that there's really not any updates or event news or anything like that going on just yet. To follow Sammy Jones, you can do so on Instagram at Sam in the Circle. That's it. One word. Sam in the Circle. Dennis Hall. Okay, so if you want to follow Dennis Hall on Twitter, which we go over all the time, how it is a complete waste, considering that he does not use that platform at all, and I don't know what could possibly compel him to start, but if you'd like to follow Hall on Twitter, at W G W. but you will have much greater success, get more value, if you want to use the word value, but certainly in this case it applies because the Truth of Wrestling page on Facebook is starting to gain traction, and Hall has put in a lot of work, and he's giving away tons of information and Workouts and tips and everything else. And that's all you do. Just go to Facebook, type in truth of wrestling in the search bar. There will be a link to it on the five point move version of the podcast page. And yeah, truth of wrestling. That's how, if you want to get in touch with Hall, that's how to do it. And for USA Greco Roman news and athlete perspectives, please go to fivepointmove.com. And as always, follow along on Twitter at five, the number five PT move. That's it for episode
1: 37, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.